And it's another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live over at Joy620 or you're listening to the podcast at investinghope.com, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, wherever podcasts are found, you can find this show. It's also the first show of 2023. It's crazy. It's crazy to think that we're in 2023. We are, you know, I remember growing up, and, and even thinking about the 2000s, so I was looking back at some pictures over the the Christmas break, and I was at my mom's house for uh, for our Christmas celebration with her with her and, and and that side of the family, and I was looking at some old pictures. And first off, my uh, my choice of style in the late 90s, early 2000s was truly something to behold. It, it's really great that there was no social media uh, in my life at that point in time, but. But as we as we think about getting to the place of of not just into the 2000s but into uh, the 2020s now 2023 it's crazy time does fly uh, I, I sound like an old man now people used to tell me that all the time my my parents would say that my grandparents would say that uh, hey when you you know as you get older time starts to fly by I remember as a kid thinking everything moves so slow uh, you know s- school seemed like it lasted forever. It took forever to get to Christmas break, then it took forever to get to summer break, then it took forever to get to graduation, uh, and, 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 and now with four kids, uh, I, I, I put on my calendar, this is, just gives you some context into the old man life that I live. I put on my calendar, you know, every six months I go to the dentist, and, and my next appointment is like right around the corner in, in just a, a month or so, and, and when I look at that, I think it's really been six months. Six months has passed that fast uh, to the point that I'm ready to go back. So all that to say, Happy New Year. It's 2023, and I pray that, that your year will be your best year. Uh, you know, a lot of folks are saying, oh, let's get rid of, you know, I remember back in, in 2020, uh, folks couldn't, couldn't wait to get rid of 2020. Uh, and, and look, now we're already in 2023. So time does fly. Again, I hope it's a great year for you. Hope you're uh, praying through how God is going to use you, what your family is going to look like, what your work is going to look like, what this next season of life is going to look like. Today we're going to do a couple things. We're going to look at some some news around the country, as we always do when it comes to abortion. Some pretty big headlines uh, that have happened uh, that I think it's important that we take some time to look at. We're also going to look at what what this new year means uh, and and how we as Christians should look at a new year. And, and should you set resolutions? Should you think about bettering yourself? Should you set goals? What, whatever that looks like. We're going to talk about that probably in the last segment uh, before we get out of here. But I want to start with, I was scrolling through social media, and that's the first problem. Uh, I've really tried to slow down on some of that, uh, but it's difficult. It's difficult. You want to keep up with what's going on, not just in the country and around the world, but also in your friend groups, people that you grew up with, people that you went to school with, people that you know to see what's happening in their life. But while I was scrolling on Twitter, I saw this tweet from Planned Parenthood Action. And the the image that they posted says, abortion is self-care. And uh, this is the description they put. Self-care comes in many forms. And then they put a heart emoji and a little smiley face emoji how do you practice self-care? And then the image they posted was abortion is self-care. So think about, again, as we're talking about going into a new year, think about how the, the narrative has changed since the 90s. 
if you can remember the back that far. Since the early 2000s, I mean, since even when Barack Obama was in office, since even when Hillary Clinton was running for office against Barack Obama, we went from safe, legal, and rare. We went from Bill Clinton standing up as a president and saying, hey, no one wants an abortion. It's a devastating thing, but we need access to it, and we need to make sure that it's safe, legal, and rare. We went from Hillary Clinton standing up and saying the same thing. We went from what, who is now President Biden, but Senator Biden, in many, 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 many interviews that you can find online, saying that there should be restrictions in the third trimester when it comes to abortion, that taxpayers should not be paying for abortions, that abortions are, uh, are deadly. You know, the, the president himself, not too long ago, said, I am pro-life personally because of my Catholic faith. Yet now we're, we're at a point of saying abortion is self-care. Now, now, if you're listening to this and you're saying, well, I, I don't, what do you mean self-care? Well, it's the same reason why somebody may go get a massage. Why somebody may go to therapy. Why somebody may take a sabbatical. Why you may go to the mountains and, and disconnect from social media. That's self-care. Going to the gym. Going for a walk. Listening to a book. You see, these are things that we all encourage. We encourage self-care. I think you should take care of yourself. You should prioritize your health. You should prioritize your family. You should prioritize your spouse and, and these type things. But, but now we're saying that abortion is self-care. That's where we're at. And then as I continue to scroll on social media, there's a comedian, you may know or you may not, probably not, Chelsea Handler. She's a, a comedian. She's a, an atheist. She celebrates her singleness. She celebrates her, uh, the fact that she doesn't have any children. She celebrates abortion. Uh, her, com her comedy is filth. Uh, so, so I wouldn't encourage you to look it up, but, but apparently she has a special coming out on Netflix. And in that special, the clip that they're highlighting, she says, you know, I, I think it's great that some people want kids. I think it's great that some people are ready to have families and, and want to have children. She said, what I don't think is great is when people are like, eh, I mean, I guess I'll have a child. She says, if you're on the fence about having a child and you get pregnant, you should get an abortion. Again, they're acting as if abortion is just some simple procedure like getting your lips done, getting a tummy tuck. But abortion is so much more than that. It's so much more than that. And we make light of it as a society. We make light of it as a country, and I think we make light of it because we it makes us uncomfortable, and 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 we we struggle with the thought of well if if we say that is a a, a human, then what kind of damage have we done in our society since the seventies and beyond? So if I admit that that's a human life, if I admit that that's a uh, a unique individual in the womb, 
then look what else I have to admit. Right. And, and, and we as a society, we as a people, we don't like to admit fault. So so instead of admitting fault, we just go, well, you know, it's it's kind of this weird, weird thing. And, and, you know, people need access to it because of this and because of that. And, and we find ourselves having these conversations. But but in, I hesitate to even say that we're not having conversations. We're, we're having folks yell at each other. We're having folks make a mockery of what uh, what life is. And as we talked about a, a few weeks ago, we we have a segment of the population that would would celebrate abortion. And then when they see what Canada Canada is doing with euthanasia. And what Canada is doing with doctor assisted suicide, they, they get a little squeamish. And that same population, then, when they see a, a celebrity take their own life, they go, how, how tragic is this? If you're hurting, let us know. Life is too precious and too valuable. Well, that argument runs right up against your argument for abortion at any stage, no matter what. Because, again, there is no gray area here. Now, now society would want you to believe there's a gray area. Cable news outlets will want you to believe there's a gray area. Some medical organizations would want you to believe there's a, a gray area. Your friends, your neighbors, your family may want you to believe there's a gray area. But the reality is there, there is black and white. There is death and there is life. And it's messy. And I get it. It's, it's hard and it's difficult and, and there's struggles that come with that. But there's struggles that come with everything. And so when we seek to change language when it comes to the heartbeat and call it electric pulses or cardiac activity, they're doing that with a purpose, as I've said here multiple times. When we seek to add heart emojis and smiley face emojis and as we talk about abortion being self-care, we're trying to water down what is actually happening? At no point in time would we ever say ending a life of another human is self-care. And, and, and here's the thing. We also wouldn't say that about animals. We as a society would not say that about animals. Yeah, you know, self-care, uh, just end the life of your dog right now. There's nothing wrong with it. Just end it. You would, be, you would be pulled out into the streets and tarred and feathered if you did that. There's people that drive by my dad's farm and see the cows out in the rain and they want to call animal rights folks and say, those cows are in the rain. How dare he do that? Yet, in communities all around this country, we have babies being aborted and no one saying or calling or doing anything. If anything, laws are being looked at to be changed to make it easier to get those things. You see, we have this weird, <clears throat> weird relationship with life and death. And, and abortion allows us as a society even though we have access to ultrasound, 
Abortion allows us as a society to detach from the reality that that is a, a life. So we detach ourselves from what is happening on the inside of that mom. We detach ourselves from the human that is growing inside that mom. We detach ourselves from that unique individual with its own DNA, with its own organs, with its own fingerprints, with its own heart. Never created before and never will be created again. We detach ourselves from that for self-care. Well, I can tell you this. I've had multiple conversations with men and women that have gone through abortion. And, and at no point in time out of those conversations has any of them said, you know what that abortion was for me? It was self-care. No, it's actually the opposite. What I've, t- what I've been told and what I've seen with my own eyes is that was the worst decision of my entire life. And I still carry the weight of that decision today. That is what I'm told. I meet with Karen with uh, Deeper Still, and, and I hear stories. And there's other post-abortive ministries around the country that are doing great work, and they're meeting with thousands of men and women across this country and around the world. And I can promise you, not one of those people in those meetings are coming out and saying, you know what, the abortion or the abortions that I received were self-care. Nobody's saying that. But what Planned Parenthood is trying to do is create a new narrative. They're wanting a new generation of folks to come up and see abortion as self-care. We've never said that. We've never believed that. We've always thought that would be callous to say. Even those that say abortion is okay would say, look, but we don't need to make a mockery of it. Like, we need to understand that a life is being ended. They would not say it's self-care. But just like we've changed the language when it comes to heartbeats, we, we, we're changing language on all this. When we no, People are no longer pro-life. They're, what, anti-abortion. We're changing language for a new generation coming up so that they would see abortion as self-care. They would see that, that heartbeats aren't heartbeats. And they would see anyone that would stand in opposition to uh, abortion or stand for life would simply be anti-abortion. We'll talk more when we come back. So as we continue the conversation, this segment I'm going to talk about some things that... Uh, it may make you uncomfortable, not because of the topic necessarily. I mean, we talk about uncomfortable things on this show often when it comes to abortion and life as we, as we walk through what's happening uh, in and around our country. But, but what I'm going to do right now is, is, is talk about specifically what I'm seeing when it comes to policy and legislation and amendments and referendums when it comes to life and abortion. And, and you may be listening to this going, yeah, go after the other side because the other side con- continues to, uh, to celebrate abortion and the like. Well, I'm not doing that today. I mean, I, I, you know my feelings when it comes to those that are pro-abortion. You know, you know where I stand on the issue. I talk about it literally every single week. There's hours and hours and hours and hours of me talking about it 
I mean, just, I mean, there's no question where I stand on life. But the part that, that, that's been perplexing since June 24th has been the, the fact that some who up until Roe was overturned would have said, we are fully pro-life. We can't wait to see Roe overturned. We'll do everything in our power to see that abortion would be uh, a footnote in a history book. Conservatives and pro-lifers that campaigned on the issue of abortion, that sent out mailers that took endorsements from Right to Life and Susan B. Anthony and other pro-life organizations that, that did stump speeches and that would send me surveys constantly and, hey, you know, help us fight. Send us $100, $500, $600, come to this event, stand with us when it comes to life. And on the surface, I, I agree with all that. But here's the problem. Here's the problem, because a lot of those folks, and we talked about this on this, on this show. I mean, you can, you can check the record. We talked about this before Roe was overturned. We talked about this. In the past, when we said that, look, there are some that claim all of those things. I'm pro-life. I want to see Roe overturned. I want to see a nation that doesn't prop up and celebrate abortion. They claim those things, but their reality is very different. And so, frankly, when, when I call out people like President Biden, who for years would say I am personally pro-life because of my Catholic faith, when, when President Biden would say things like tax dollars should not go to fund abortions, when Hillary Clinton would say things like uh, abortion should be safe, legal, and rare, when Bill Clinton would change his tune, when Barack Obama would change his tune, when we would see these things, we would call them out because their actions didn't match their words, or just overnight they flipped and changed everything. Well, if we're going to do that on those that would claim to be pro-abortion and call out their hypocrisy, then I think it's best that we call out the hypocrisy of those that claim to be pro-life. Because there's something happening right now, specifically in the state of Tennessee, which I find interesting, but it's not just Tennessee, it's, we're, we're seeing it across the country, is, is you have some that are saying, look, we need, to, we need to tread lightly. We, we got Roe overturned, and now we need to tread lightly. Look, we, we got Roe overturned, now we need to, we need to make sure that we, uh, we listen to all the lobbyists. The lobbyists that are saying, hey, this bill goes too far. This legislation goes too far. We need to tread lightly. We need to, we need to add exceptions into these pro-life laws because, frankly, we need to compromise. And we're seeing that over and over and over and over again. I got an email last week 
from someone saying, hey, read this article. And it was saying that there are conservative, quote, pro-lifers in the state legislature here in Tennessee currently bringing bills and they're going to sponsor pieces of legislation that would water down the law that we have on the books when it comes to abortion. You see, many folks were like, hey, that we, what we need to watch for is, is pro-abortion lobby bringing about legislation and seeking to water down the, the bill that we have in place. And, and then some of us were like, well, but that doesn't matter because we have a supermajority of who have told us they're pro-lifers. We have a supermajority in Nashville, so why should we be concerned? But, but here's what's happening. It isn't the pro-abortion folks seeking to water down the law. It is those that have claimed this entire time to be pro-life. It is those that have stood up at podiums and told you right to your face that they cared deeply about life and stood against abortion. It is those that are seeking to water down the law in Tennessee. And so here's where we go. We compromise. Now, now I want to I provide some context. Not everyone in Nashville is like that. I immediately sent a text after reading that article to a buddy of mine that's a state rep who I love and respect. And what did he do? He immediately called me and said, I was just having a conversation about this. We're doing everything we can to make sure that doesn't happen. And I'm going to have him on the show uh, in the next few weeks if his schedule will permit. Because there are some folks that are saying, we're not going to water this down. The governor has said he's not going to water it down. The lieutenant governor of the Senate has said that. Looks a little bit different in the House with Speaker Sexton. And I can get into that in coming weeks of why that is the case. And then I'm, I'm looking at the news this morning and what do I see? Former President Trump. Blaming the midterms on what? Abortion. Now, I want to I give a... President Trump did more for the pro-life movement when it comes to judges and when it comes to, obviously, the Supreme Court overturning Roe. I mean, three of the judges that, that voted in favor of overturning were appointed by him. So we need to absolutely recognize what he did for the pro-life movement. But coming out after the midterm and saying the reason why we lost or the reason why we didn't have the success we thought we were going to have was because of the abortion and the unwillingness to have exceptions. No, the, the problem is, no, there's, there's very few that are in political office that are to their bones pro-life. Like conviction-led pro-life. No, they can raise money on it. it they, they, it's, it's, it's what I've said multiple times. And for many of the pro-lifers in office, that is what they were seen as. Well, I just want to keep chasing that car. I can keep campaigning on pro-life issues. I can keep raising money on it. But we'll never really get rid of Roe because then what am I going to campaign on? We'll talk more when we come back. Okay, I want to finish up talking about what what I was getting into in that last segment, and then we're going to get into kind of the new year and, and what we need to look for. 
When it comes to politicians, whether it be former presidents or state legislators, senators or reps or congressmen, whatever it looks like, the reason why we need to be engaged with the process isn't because it needs to become an idol or anything like that. But the reason why we need to be engaged is because we need to be able to to discern truth from pandering. We need to be able to, to, to question the stances of some of these folks so that we understand where they truly stand on the issue. Can they articulate the position? But what we're seeing now is we're seeing folks say, well, we need exceptions. Well, we've done polling. We've done surveys, and these surveys and these polls have shown us that blah, 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 water down, water down, water down. That is what we're getting. And then we need to be able to look and go, okay, what, what is the end game here? And for some of these political folks, it is, well, I'm planning on running for state office in the near future. And so in their mind, they think, i got to move to the middle. I got to I got to get squishy. I got to I got to walk that fine line when it comes to life and abortion because I got to get these votes. And 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 here's what they're missing. The folks that they think they are connecting with would never vote for them in the first place. Like I I don't understand how they don't see that. But I've had this conversation with political leaders. I've had this conversations with, with consultants. I've had this conversation with, with organizations to say, why are they missing it? Well, they're missing it because they're not led by conviction. They're led by the next election. And so if you are led by conviction, you are going to do the right thing no matter what. But if you're led by the next election, ah, the right thing is kind of a, it's a moving goalpost, you know? Today, that right thing may look a little bit different. And how do I know that? I know that because President Biden, literally when he was running for presidency the last time, the one that he won, he came out one day and said, tax dollars should not go to fund abortion. I've been clear on that my entire career. And literally overnight, his people came out and said, no, that's not what he meant. Because it's not about conviction, it's about the election. When, when, a, when a local state senator says, look, when, when I co-sponsored that bill, <laughs> not just voted for it, but co-sponsored, I, I thought it was so important that I should put my name on it, I never thought Roe would be overturned. You see, that's not conviction. That is next election. So the reason why I encourage you to get engaged, the reason why we talk about this every week, is because conviction matters. Now look, some, some will say, well, well, what do we need to do? We need to call our state reps, call our senators. We need to engage with them because they do listen. And, and, and here's the reality. If they think and they hear from enough people that and if they believe the next election might be in jeopardy, they will change. Again, not because of conviction. 
but because of the next election. Now, that's sad. And, and I get it. it. It's why people just throw their hands up and go, I'm done with it. I'm not, I'm not voting. I'm not engaging. They're all pandering. Look, uh, some of them are. But I can promise you there are some that are, that are doing it for the right thing. They're, they're convicted. They're leading well. But, but there, there's a segment of conservatives that, that are seeking to move the pro-life pendulum way to the middle. And, and folks, that's not pro-life. Again, it goes back to, is there a gray area or is it black and white? Is it a life or not? Because the folks that are telling you to compromise on your convictions and your belief when it comes to life, the folks that are telling you to compromise are the very ones that will never compromise. Because here, here's the thing. You, you have some folks saying, well, well obviously, if, if we put in exceptions to rape, incest, life of the mother, then, then the, the pro-abortion lobby is going to support that bill. No, they won't. They won't. Do you think Planned Parenthood political action committee is just going to go, oh my gosh, thank you, Tennessee, for putting those exceptions in. We're going to leave you alone. We're, we're not going to try to lobby for anything. We're not going to seek out abortions. Man, you put those exceptions in. That's, what, that's all we wanted all along. Of course not. So they're, they're telling you to compromise while they refuse to ever compromise. To them, compromising is abortion no matter what, all the way up to nine months, closing down pregnancy centers, uh, quieting down the church. Anyone that would say that life begins at conception are crazy nut jobs and should be outcast of society. That, that, is, that is what they want. All we're saying is we believe that life begins at conception Every life has intrinsic value and deserves love, value, and respect. Now, now who, who's the extreme in that? But you see, some of these politicians don't know how to articulate that. And they'll look at you and they'll say, look, we got so many different... I mean, we got to deal with taxes, and we got to deal with roads, and we got to deal with guns, and we got to deal with uh, abortion. I mean, we've got to deal with all these things. How do you expect me to be, you know, what you need me to? No, no, it's not that difficult. What I would love to see is the governor, the lieutenant governor. I would love to see the speaker of the house join in that, but it doesn't appear like he wants to do that. But I would love for the governor and the lieutenant governor to come out and say, we are not touching the law that's on the books. We're going to let it breathe for a year. This is monumental. This is what we wanted. And this is what the people of Tennessee elected us to do. Be done with it. But by doing these things and, and bringing up this bill and this sponsor is going to have this bill and having this, all you're doing is creating fodder and, and, and keeping it in the news. That's what you're doing. It is, it is political malpractice. But that's par for the course, apparently. So instead of looking in the mirror and going, hey, why did we struggle in the midterms? 
Maybe it was because of X, Y, and Z. Well, let's just throw it out at the pro-lifers. The pro-lifers that, that gave us the majorities. The pro-lifers that consistently go to the polls. Oh, but, you know, but clearly it's the pro-lifers' fault because they want too much life. It's, it's a weird thing. And it's frustrating. But that's where we are. It doesn't change what we do day to day at Hope. It doesn't change what, what's happening on the ground across the country. It doesn't change any of that. Our mission is clear. Either life has value or it doesn't. You know, if I go home today and I go, hey, hey, kids, man, I'm so glad that, that God gave me four of you. But, you know, some of you are a little bit more valuable than others. So, you know, such is life. Of course, that, that's nonsense. The the last thing that I want to give to the generations coming up is to tell them that abortion is self-care. The, 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 the last thing that I want to give to the generations coming up is to tell them, yeah, some lives in the womb are valuable, but others aren't. You know, it's just life. Deal with it. Like, what are we doing? And then we, we go and campaign for, make phone calls for, seek out endorsements for certain candidates, and then they immediately turn. Hey, the, the election's over, so I can tell you how I really feel. Or we think, man, they, they're really convicted. They're convicted like I'm convicted. And then we, we see quickly, it's not about conviction, it's about the next election, and, and then who are they throwing under the bus? The very ones that got them there. Look, we're going to keep talking about it. We're going to keep praying about it. We're going to keep engaging. I'm going to keep bringing these things to your attention because they matter. And we need to hold people accountable. It's just the reality of it. And when, when there's good ones out there, we're going to say, hey, this is a good one. They're doing the right thing. They're fighting the hard fight. My goodness, if I'm raising my kids to do the right thing no matter what, then it's not that hard and not that much to expect the same out of those that we elect. We'll be back. So it's 2023. Happy New Year, everyone. This last segment, I wanted to, to shift focus a little bit. I, we talked about some important topics uh, the rest of the show. I, I want to shift a little bit here now to, to focus on the new year. So some of you are like, look, I, I set out to make resolutions and I struggle every year to make those resolutions. Look, I, I encourage you to, to think about, hey, what's this next year look like for me? What's this next year look like for my family? What does it look like for work? What, what's this season of life going to look like? And for some of us, it's like, hey, I want to travel. Or I want to get that promotion. I want to have a child. Or I want to get married. I want to have another child. I want to, I want to spend more time doing X, Y, or Z. I want to get in the gym. I want to eat better. I want to stop smoking. I want to, you know, fill in the blank. But but may I encourage you, I, I read this poem the other day, and it just hit me. Because often we think about the, the, the vacations or the amazing things that we can do to kind of distract us and get us out of the normalcy of life. 
Like, oh, we're going to look forward to, we have this vacation plan in the summer and we're going to look forward to that or that Disney trip or, or, or whatever it may be. But might I encourage you to not neglect the normal? Here, here's what this poem says. It says, normal day, let me be aware of the treasure you are. Let me learn from you, love you, bless you before you. Let me not pass you by in quest of some rare and perfect tomorrow. Let me hold you while I may, for it may not always be so. One day I shall dig my nails into the earth, or bury my face in the pillow, or stretch myself taut, or raise my hands to the sky and want more than all the world your return. Now, why does that mean so much to me? This past weekend, we or the last couple of weekends, we went and visited my wife's grandmother, she's, I believe, 96 years old. And not that long ago, I'm, I'm talking about within the last five to seven years. She was laying in the floor with my kids, working flower beds in the yard, very active. And now, much of that has changed. And, and, and I think about, I mean, I see it with her. I, I saw it with my own granddad. My, my granddad milked for years and farmed on into his 90s. And in the last few years of his life, after my grandmother had passed away, my papa would just sit in his recliner. Or he would sit in the chair and he would just look out the door at the barn and just long for what? Long for a normal day where he would get up before the sun, put his boots on, and walk over to the barn and milk twice a day, every day. He would long for the normal day, because just like this poem said, there will be a day where you are laying in a bed, maybe in assisted living, maybe in a nursing home, maybe on your deathbed, and you will look up and go, man, if only I could just have a normal day. And so as we think about a new year, it's, it's fine to think about resolutions and, you know, doing the amazing and, and going out and, and getting to participate. We're, we decided I have a, some, I have to do something in Dallas, Texas in March. And so we're taking the whole family to Dallas. It'll be the first time our kids get on an airplane. Uh, and, and we're really looking forward to it. And the kids are, they, every day they talk about it. Have you booked the tickets yet? Are we doing this? Are we doing that? So we're looking forward to that. That's not going to be a normal day. That's not something that's going to occur often. <clears throat> but, but I would encourage you to not neglect the beauty of normal days. The other day I took my son and we loaded up some wood because we burn wood in, a, uh, in the wintertime. And, and that's what I did with my dad. And that's what my son does with me now is we, we get the wood, we cut it, we split it. And, and a few of those pieces were just huge. And look, I feel like I'm pretty strong. But the few of those pieces, I couldn't move. And we had to really figure out a plan, and we were problem-solving. And doing that with my 11-year-old was pretty cool. Then we got home, and we had to do more problem-solving of how we're going to get these off the trailer. It was a normal day. This morning, I went out to the chicken coop, and I opened the door to let them out. And I 
look to see if there were any eggs. It's a normal day. At some point in my life, I'm going to miss being able to do that. I'm going to miss being able to get wood with my son. So don't neglect the normal days as you look toward a new year, a new season. Embrace the normalcy that life uh, throws at you because one day you're going to miss it. We'll talk to you all next week. Happy New Year.